It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At LifestyleSports.com. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that did not go to Venice this weekend. Oh fuck yeah! Did some plasterboarding instead, and did his backing. At least this half of the pot. That's what I did instead of I going mean, to Venice. You didn't go to Venice so this weekend either, Josh. I didn't so go to, did, I didn't go to Venice either. It, that was never on the cards for me. I mean, it was always just a weekend of admin, as far as I was concerned. So you did. You coronavirus killed your holiday. It did, and my Bastards. back. Yeah, but I think it's give me dad a hand with the plasterboarding. So we are, ah, you know. we are at the plasterboarding stage of my renovation. You've lived through this, you like you poor buggers. <laughs> Even though you didn't want to, people in work as well are living through it. They don't want to know either. I can see them sort of wince when I get my phone out again, going to look to see my kitchen's up to. You can see they just want to say, "No, Lee, fuck off." But basically, they're having it anyway. This is Ultimately, the sort of like it consumes so much of your life that you don't have any choice at this point because you've got literally nothing else to talk about. No, I, I, this is the sort of the inviting people around to show them the carousel slides of your holiday snaps for the Instagram generation base for the smartphone generation is this uh, so anyway so you did a bit of admin yeah. did you that sounds good yeah bits and bobs you know did a bit of cleaning you know did you know when you got a, you can't you've got to sort of admit that your standard sort of weekly-ish like it looks okay house clean situation as you've actually got to clean it properly that was me this weekend, where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to get the fucking glass cleaner out and things like that. It's when you reach that point in your life, you realize you've got to actually spend money to maintain your property. That annoys me. <sighs> like awful, painting the awful. outside of the house. What a shit thing to spend money on, <laughs> things like that. Do you know what I mean? Well, I used to feel, I haven't got that, but I used to feel, I'm glad that I don't have it anymore, but like that large fencing used to, I just used Ooh. to get so angry with that 
every year because inevitably it would blow down and inevitably I'd spend a couple hundred quid repairing it every year. And every year I would just detest the fact that I had to not only spend money on fence panels, which are clearly there's a big design flaw there because whenever there's wind, it blows down. But also then you've got to paint the fuckers. And there is nothing... I don't care what Karate Kid says. Painting a fence is fucking boring and pointless. Life is pain, Josh. Life is Life pain. absolutely is pain. So if you I want to tell us that. about the pain that your life's bringing you, <laughs> then you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner. Uh, and also at Praying for the Heat Death of the Universe. So. Yes, indeed. Uh, and so we're on ACAS. We're on... Uh, iTunes, all of that. See, I don't know why we say this, because you're already listening. So yeah, you, 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 you can tell people where to find us, but they'll just go, who are they and what are you talking about? So I don't know why I'm worried about it too much. <laughs> um, we're also on Patreon for everybody who gives us a bit of support there. Thank you once again for another month of support that all of you have given us. Even the people who've done it a bit then left, we're still thankful for the time you, well, yeah. the money you gave us more than anything because you don't have thanks, to do any of that. Thanks for the memories. Thank you. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. However, we also had the VIP lounge where people want to give a little bit of extra. And I'd like to thank James and Robert who've come into the VIP lounge in the last couple of weeks, requested a, a nice black, a cold black bottle of K-cider. They've put some jellyfish <laughs> on the jukebox and have had a sit down. Niche 90s reference there, jellyfish. Good job they're paying for the privilege. That's all I'm saying. The Ghost at Number One is a very, very underrated 90s tune. All of you (laughs) go look for it now by Jellyfish. (laughs) Jellyfish had a singing drummer who stood up to play drums. True fact. Unacceptable. It is completely unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Do you ever. It was very velvet underground, but not as good, if you know what I mean. No, under no circumstances. Were they Americans? Of course they were Americans. Yeah. There's that that band now that has a stand-up drummer, those those London lads who who shout. Slaves? Oh. No? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can sort of understand it with them a little bit because it's like... Because they're they're just fucking fuming, aren't they? Exactly. They're (laughs) pissed off about everything. So, you know, if you're that pissed off, there's no need to sit sit down, you know? (laughs) Too fuming to sit down. (laughs) Jellyfish from memory were not that angry about anything. They were just into sort of weird, like, XTC-esque sort of... It's a bit like that, a bit of Beach Boys Power thrown pop. in. Power pop, yeah. bit of Beach Boys sounding stuff. Anyway, where were anyway. we? <laughs> this, this, by the way, listeners, might be uh, what you get for the next sort of six and a half months if, you know, they just cancel all sport because of coronavirus. Yeah. We just have to come on here every week and just go... Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no sport to speak of, so we're just going to talk about you know drummers that stand up for yeah. an hour and see what happens. We'll just ask you instead of submitting shit good, you can just submit for us topics for us to tell you what we reckon about <laughs> it. That'll be it every week. This is what we reckon about what you've asked us to talk about. Um, how's that different to any other week? You're all already yeah. saying. Um, yeah. So uh, what have we got here? We got to play spotted. Got a player spotted. Tiernan O'Rourke emails. He says, Tiernan here. Okay. He says, a while back, I was in Milano's in a posh Ooh. part of Dublin. Not Milano. Milano's. No, a Milano's. place in Dublin. I was eating my meal with family whilst another family sat next to our table. We had paid our bills and prepared to go when I finally realized who one of the men scoffing down his little son's dessert, a chocolate ice cream sundae, in case you're wondering, 
along with his own apple crumble. It was Peter Smythe, the then Leinster Academy coach. So I made my way over to speak to him. I can honestly say he was a solid lad, willingly took a photo with me after who I assumed was his brother made jokes about me being charged for a photobomb selfie. I hope that's mundane enough for you. If not, well, that's a you problem, not a me problem, isn't it? Says <laughs> I like that. I like, I like the snippiness. I, like I, I like really it. enjoy the, yeah, into it. The unnecessary this, is, this could be one of the most perfect player spotties we've ever had in that it's so mundane, it's not even a player. And I think yeah. nobody other than a very, very select few of our listeners will know who Peter Smythe is. Obviously, the Leinster yeah. Academy coach, but would have known him before that. Yeah, it's like, it's the niche within the niche within the niche. It is, that's and it's really, beautiful. And it's really boring. It's like Inception's it's like, it's really terrible sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Milan reminds me when uh, I was, one of the weekends me and my wife managed to actually get out of the country. We were going to Madrid. And you know, have you ever done the uh, person who takes your car away from the airport thing? Uh, yes, I have. Well, this is at Manchester noise. Airport. So you turn up and, this, and like, basically you tell them you're on your way and then they send like a guy in a high vis in like a minivan. About four oh, of them yeah. all pile out and take cars away. Anyway, he turns up and he's a proper, proper like chirping mank lad. He says, <laughs> he says, you're all right, yeah. He says, he says, wait, where you're off to, where you're going, you're going for the weekend somewhere. I said, yeah, I said, yeah I'm going to Madrid. He went, Madrid, I hope you like pasta. Right, see you when you get back then. <laughs> I said, you don't know where Madrid is, do you, mate? <laughs> well, I let him go because he was, he was a very I mean, trendy man. That's gloriously, gloriously. I mean, that's, it's that sort of thing that is so stereotypical. It almost sounds like you made it up. I can honestly I tell you, it. right, I did not make that up. I yeah. creased up laughing after I'd let him walk away a safe difference. This is what you don't get when you do the pod parking thing, which, by the way, I fucking adore. What's pod parking? But have you ever done pod parking at uh, Terminal 5 at Heathrow? It's no. where you basically you park up and then a little tiny uh, automated robot pod turns up and you get in it and it self-drives you along a sort of weird go-kart track in the sky uh really honestly it's fucking brilliant this sounds like something like a rollerball it's exactly like that yeah it feels like being in an airport in the in the future until you actually get into heathrow and then it feels like being in an airport from it's just a load of fucking shops like like all of them yes and in terminal five it's just a load of fucking posh shops and caviar things when i just wanted a mcdonald's which they haven't got (laughs) pricks um yeah, pod parking. It's the way forward. Don't have to engage with a human being. Love it. So, when you get an individual pod picks you up. Yeah, yeah. So you have to share it with other people. No, it's just an individual pod and the doors open and you get in and it takes you straight to the terminal and then it lets you out of the other. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. It's like Total I'm... Recall. Yeah. That was great. Fucking brilliant. I'd get that. Why can't I get I got the work? tube when I went there like a fucking loser. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Fuck no. Parking Terminal 5, pod parking. You, it's not even that much more expensive than regular parking. Fantastic. Well, note Honestly, to everybody, the other parking is available and other airports are available. We are not Don't being care. paid. Um, yeah. Shall we move on with the news? Yes. Hell it's mostly news, news this week, isn't it? Let's be honest. I think it's going to be mostly yeah, news and mostly previews, just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about from the weekend, although Bristol fans might disagree. Um, but, yeah, it's mainly things like... Should we get the sort of relatively eh news out of the way before we get into the juicy stuff? Okay. Which is namely, everyone who's signing for everyone has basically been confirmed 
today. So, um, uh, first up, Chris Ashton um, has just left sale with immediate effect. Yeah. Which is a hell of a way to respond to Marlon Yard just having a rare streak of fucking try scoring form, isn't it? Yes. Don't need that guy anymore. Um, yeah. So it's weird. So he's um, off. Danny Kerr's posted a tweet with his arm around him saying, come here, big lad, or something. Does that mean he's off to uh, Quinn's? Or is that just what Danny Kerr, it's just Danny Kerr being nice? He's pinned it, though, I think, as well. He's pinned it to his yeah, timeline. I mean, I'd like to see Chris Ashton get a you know another go at it, because I think he's, he's, by and large, a good lad. 32, is um, he now? Ish? Um, yes, and he has, <laughs> as the report points out, he still has... Uh, property near London after his time at Saracens, which <laughs> I fucking bet he does. Um, Maybe that's what he's yeah. done. He's gone to see uh, Steve and said, uh, yeah. any chance you buy me an house, Steve? The dead <laughs> sheep in Wigan. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. There's no margin in that. Yeah, It's just a weird time to, you know, mid-Six Nations is a weird time for a, any player to leave a club. Um, you've got to wonder if a move to Japan or something like that is on the cards, maybe. I mean, why but, wouldn't you? There's nothing left for him here. Nothing. No, exactly. He's, there's absolutely no point in, you know, England call is never going to happen again. Um, so, yeah, if he does rock up at Harlequins, that would be pretty good signing for them, I think. Mm. You know, he's a good player. Sale did always seem to have a comically overstocked supply of decent wingers. So I guess he's just kind of surplus requirements there. Um, in less good news for Quinns fans, though, uh, Peter Steftitoy is not coming to Quinn's um, because he wants to play against the Lions next year. Um, well, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, Leicester basically... Speaking of Quinn's, before you move on, yeah, yeah. I put a photo of myself, a rare photo of myself, onto the Twitter this week. At least four people have told me I look yeah. like Chris Robshaw's older brother. Oh, no, that's not... I mean, he's not a bad-looking lad. I'm not offended. He's a good-looking lad. But I've genuinely... I've genuinely... That's never happened to me before. <laughs> I mean, that's just It's obviously a very odd photo of me. You've seen you me in real life, beard. moving yeah. and everything. So. Yeah, you don't look... You don't look like... like with that, Sadly, I can report you don't look like Chris Robshaw. You know, there as you, you say, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a very handsome man. You've both got a beard. We have. That's... I look more like Marcus Mumford. That's what I get a lot of. But he's slightly more goggly-eyed than me. I also fucking despise him and his band, so it's really upsetting. Yeah, as, as, well, that is the mark of anyone with taste. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah um, so that's happening. Well, not happening that's with Quinns. What else? Yeah, uh, Leicester have signed everyone. Um, most headline-y. Nandolo uh, they signed, haven't they? Nandolo Dolo is going there. Who, I mean, Why if not? he's still got anything left in the tank. So, the thing that worries me about signing a player like Nandolo at this point in his career is... The pretty weepoo effect? Yeah, how good is he now still? I'm sure he's still very good. And what's his work rate to calorie intake ratio like? Because that was a problem with... Yeah, how old is he? Because... I think he's old as you think, I don't think. But he's... Yeah, um... I think he just... He looks like he's about 50, but I think that's probably just because he had a tough paper round. They obviously Um, have to have a gigantic... He's he's 32, He's not like, yeah, still got a couple of years left in him, hasn't he? But obviously they have got in their somewhere they've got a clause somewhere they have to sign a gigantic island winger, and ha- yeah. one must be in the team at all times. Maybe that's what's gone wrong with because you Leicester had a, the last couple of years. The big two were like you, didn't you? The big two yeah. were like you was there. Gonivar was there, obviously. Yeah. 
And maybe there's going to be a gap this year, isn't there? They have exactly. They haven't had a big lad, a big. They've had a, they a stepping lad. Wow. A mm. dancing lad, but not a big lad. Not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've signed the Dolo. They've also signed uh, Mamagash Vili, Georgian Hooker. Which uh, one's he? He which of is... the which of the sea of terrifying Georgians say, is he? He's he's a big lad with a beard. Um, no, <laughs> he's the one that's currently playing for uh, Ense in Russia, but um, which is a bit of a climb down because they were after Jack Singleton, um, who's gone to Gloucester instead uh, from Saracens joining the the Saracens. I do like that they've applied strategy. the rule though. We've lost that big on the lad, signing. Yeah. What is the answer? We'll have to Georgian. send in a Georgian. That's all we yeah. can do. Yeah, um, yeah, and both Young's brothers have uh, signed new contra- uh, um, contracts, and they've been linked with uh, Marvin Ori, who was at the Ospreys for about five minutes earlier this season's injury cover, right. and that's uh, a pretty good player. Any more transfer Fuck news? Loads, mate. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Burns is leaving Bath at the end of the season, um, off to Lyon or Japan, apparently. Um, Will Skelton is off to La Rochelle apparently um, to provide presumably just an immovable fucking scrum alongside Uni Antonio. Um, that's a lot of beef there. Good lord. Exeter um, have signed Corey Baldwin, and we've had a question from a listener. Yes. AK AWD forty. Before I move on to that trivia, mm. do you know why mm. WD forty is called WD forty? I've got no idea. Do you know why? So please tell me. Because it's a water displacement solution, mm-hmm. and that was the fortieth salute. That was the fortieth compound or whatever that he tried. The inventor. Yeah. He said, "This one's WD forty. It's better than WD thirty nine. I'm sticking with this, and that's what it became known as." There yeah. you go. And we we won't bother with WD forty one. It's fine. No, this is it. Perfect yeah. is the enemy of good. That'll do. Let's move on. <laughs> um, so anyway, Blood and Mud, he says, Evening chaps, as the gurus of all things Welsh regions, I've got absolutely no idea what he's been listening to. Absolutely no idea. Jesus um, Christ. Have you seen much of Corey Baldwin? Uh, I've seen bits and bobs of him. Uh, looks decent. Big, quick, uh, decent defender. A real, like... He's, he's, and he's only 21 as well. Uh, he's played a decent amount for the Scarlets this season. But... He's English qualified because he was born in Surrey, oh. um, but he's a, he's an outside centre or a wing, and I think he's just got bored with the Scarlets just signing players they don't need and not giving him a chance. So he's not going to get any game time on the wing with Johnny McNichol, the halfpenny, and Liam Williams now, or. Disconsed, and Exeter do love, if you leave Hogg aside and Noel aside, they do love a kind of nondescript, meh, winger perf- being he's brilliant. A, a, yeah. And, and, but he, and he fits right into the Woodbird, Woodburn O'Flaherty, Dolman sort of does. wheelhouse of theirs, doesn't he? Yeah, and an unspectacular, you know, in a sort of unspectacularly effective outside centre as well. Mm. You know, it's like, and at the Scarlets, he's obviously got John Davis in front of him there and Hadley Parks, and you can throw... Uh, presumably Wales's newest international try-scoring sensation, um, your man from Saracens, who's apparently for some reason going there as well, just to sort of make, make sure Tom that Wales games. players don't... Yeah, it doesn't just so they don't play in as many games as they should do. Um, 
I think he's always looked very good. I think he what he deserves more than we deserve more than anything was a really decent run of games at thirteen, which is his best position. He never really got much of that at the Scarlets. And I think he just got fucking bored of waiting for something to happen. And particularly if they do sign you know <laughs> if they do sign Tompkins as well, that's A, it's bad for Wales. Um, but B, it sort of makes a bit of a mockery of let's the WIU and the Scarlets have got some fucking questions to answer if Tompkins t- rocks up there at the end of this season or start of next season. And, you know, one of the most highly rated players in the Pro 14 is playing an extra next season because you've stuck him there instead of somewhere else. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I think it's a real shame, but good luck to him. You know, Exeter have got a fucking great track record of turning sort of under sort of unsung and lack of opportunity players like him into something fucking special. So, uh, yeah. You just hope that in the same way that England might be regretting the situation with Tompkins, that Wales aren't regretting the situation with Corey Baldwin in a couple of years. Hmm. Uh, Shall we talk about Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend? Uh, Yes, I think that's all the fucking signings. Oh, except for the fact, actually, that uh, Glacial Grigg is uh, not going to Perpignan next season, but isn't going anywhere else. Too nice a person. Basically, yeah. They evaluated um, it and Perpion said, I'm sorry, you're not enough of a complete bell end for us to sign you. So indeed. Um so yeah, he's not going to Perpignan. He's out of contract at Claremont, he's thirty four. Uh I don't know what he's gonna do, to be honest. But Japan. Yeah. That's usually Japan. the answer, isn't it? Um, well in doubt, Japan. So while um, we're yes. while we're on Scotland, Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend, <laughs> there are some um, green shoots of friendship starting to grow. Again. Well, they've met, they seem to have very much made friends on Finn Russell's terms, <laughs> which is basically, I'll sort of come back into the, you know, I'll consider coming back, but <laughs> I want some fucking changes, and I won't come back until those changes to the, the culture and the environment are changed, which, you know... I remember reading is... um, about some area of some province of Afghanistan when basically the Taliban and whoever was in charge then, they had to come back together to try and sort out living together. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations and apparently it's a, it's a common thing in conflict resolution where effectively you've got to find one thing you agree on and yeah. work on that for the next like 18 months. And apparently one thing they could agree in Afghanistan was the eradication of polio. So they said, well, let's right. work together on the eradication of polio. And we'll do that for two years to actually start trusting each other and then we'll move on to something else like, I don't know, fucking traffic wardens or something. Um, So I'm I'm wondering if that's what they've had to do and I wonder what the thing that Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend were brought together and said, look, we can agree on this, so let's move forward. Well, what it seems to be... I think Clive Woodward is a cunt. What do you think? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Right, we can move forward with that now. It seems that... in some level, they're, they're painting it as the reason that he's back in in the sort of in the fold is that he, you know, they 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 bonded slash are working together to develop a game plan against France, which, I mean, I love Finn. Like Finn Russell as a player is fantabulous to watch, and one of the you know he has yeah. been doing absolutely filthy things for Racing from the second he was dropped just to rub everyone's noses in it in Scotland. However. Is he a game plan-y sort of guy? I think or more than you a... probably think. You can't play well, yeah, a, ten sure, a professional rugby player is, you know, you know going to have a certain level. 
I I see him. I don't see him as one of the game's great sort of video guys. You know. No, I, I mean I don't sp- know. Spends a lot Sometimes of time in the can film. Surprise I could be wrong it? with that. Yeah. No, I don't know. But I think what they can agree on is they'd like to beat France. See. Yeah. So that's that's so how they, they get they're forward. Gonna, they're going to work together. Like, so there you go. Yeah. Well, it was I mean, completely unnecessary, wasn't it? It's been a balls up the all whole thing. Was, it, yeah. It's it's it was in, unedifying for everybody involved. He's not going to play for her Scotland for the rest of the Six Nations, of course, um, because Greg is not quite prepared to take him off the naughty step yet. But he is going to play in the summer, presumably. And the thing is, given where the Six Nations is at now, what does it matter? I think you're probably better off giving Adam Hastings a whole tournament. Well, at least you know what you've got there, And you? then you can go into the summer tours then, can't you? A bit more of a plan, and he's got a bit more, I think, in the end. It's you wouldn't have wanted it this way, but you've got to take the positives where you can find them. I think as a Scotland player, Scotland player, Scotland fan. Um, should we talk about the the big? Well, is it news or is you know because it could just be paper talk at the end of the day. However, uh, the Six Nations going to possibly yeah, behind so, the paywall on Sky. Yeah, so Jacko, Peter Jackson, and everyone is almost certainly aware now are saying that Sky are CBC's preferred partner to take. Uh, the exclusive rights uh, for the Six Nations after, is it 2021? I think um, so, yeah. £300 million pound they're talking, aren't they? Yeah, to um, to take the Six Nations off free-to-air TV, which has rightly got a lot of people very angry. Um, and I understand why, to an extent. But I also think it reveals that Quite a lot of rugby fans, sure as shit, don't seem to be prepared to stick their hands in their fucking pocket to keep this game of ours alive. It's like the second that you say, oh, it's going to cost you to carry on watching rugby, though. And instantly Mm. people are fucking losing their minds. And I get it. Like, I'm a rugby fan who already pays for fucking BT every month to watch the Premiership and the the European Games. I pay for fucking Premier Sports to watch the Pro 14 and I'm getting charged fucking triple for the privilege this month thanks to their fucking incompetence. By the way, thanks, guys. Um, The last thing I fucking want to do is fork out even more cash to bloody Sky to watch the Six Nations. And, yeah, I get it. As usual, it's like the hardcore fan that loses because we're going to end up paying through the arse for it. But put all that aside a minute and ask ourselves, like, if we all love rugby as much as we say we do, is this really such a big deal? Like, if you've already got a Skybox, just subscribe for a month. It'll cost you, what, 25 quid and then cancel it. If not, like, it's 33 quid for a Now TV sports pass for a month and you can watch all the fucking Six Nations you want and then just cancel it. Like, hmm. Yeah, you, you, might, you find... might have to put 60 quid. Let's say you have to pay for two months because it normally overlaps two months. You might yeah, have to true. put 60 quid-ish aside every year yeah. to watch the the oldest tournament in the world. Yeah, and I'm sh- I'm very sure that Now TV will have in the same way that they have Premier League passes and things like that. They will have a Six Nations pass that you just pay 35 quid or 40 quid or whatever to watch all the Six Nations games streaming. Like if you can't find that then rugby probably isn't and Sky put as important. the highlights of the games of the, of the Premier League free on <laughs> YouTube. So yeah. it doesn't. And the other thing is, a lot of people are upset about this. Let's talk about raw numbers for a minute, okay? Yeah. Five point nine million people watched England versus France. Yeah. This this in this tournament, five point mm. nine million people. I think the record. I think last autumn, Sky had one point five million people watching England New Zealand at its peak. 
Yeah. Now, that's an awesome international for a start, which people just aren't as interested in. I don't think people... Correct. Six Nations fans probably aren't even that aware how awesome internationals are on. 5.9 million people. There's a lot of people, but I think you can maybe get half of those watching on Sky. There's a lot... So what difference does it make if you lose a couple of million people not casually watching a game? I'll tell you what difference it will make. I won't have to talk to fucking people in work <laughs> who have all the confidence I of Hugo Monnier with about 10% of the knowledge. I won't have to do that anymore. <laughs> That was that was one of the things that I did just think because all yeah all it would say if you're not prepared to pay for it, like, do you really fucking matter? Like people are like oh it's terrible culture. I get it. Like I get it. Like I get with the people who are saying oh you know rugby's you know got a place at the heart of British cultural life during the Six Nations yeah. and it makes the game less open and available yeah. to new fans, and in the way that cricket and F1 have become sort of insular and irrelevant. And I get. That it's shit. And if I w- had the choice, right, I would have all sport and all rugby on free-to-air TV forever because I'm tight and also because I want more people to watch it. But, like, let's not beat around the bush here. Like, this is a fucking Hail Mary as far as rugby in the Northern Hemisphere is concerned. One team in the fucking Prem is profitable, right? One team in Wales is profitable, and dubiously so in the Scarlets. Nobody knows if any of the teams in Ireland and Scotland are because they won't tell us, but all evidence seems to indicate that there's no way that they're not running at some sort of loss. And without Rich Sugar Daddy's the top 14 to be bankrupt tomorrow. Like, rugby is not a fucking long-term viable business at the moment. No business that relies on but in one-off windfall. I think yeah. this could make it worse. It because, could. Because as night follows day, what will happen is, is that agents will want more money for the players. Well, you know, there's more money around, so they'll want more money for the players as sure as night follows day. So yeah, that absolutely. will happen. And then how often will, it, will the deal of this size keep being renewed when the viewership isn't quite as it was and stuff like that? So that's my worry. I don't have a with trying to get as much money as possible. I think it's disingenuous for people to go up and arms about free to wear. <laughs> I think the whole thing about participation is, uh, is well... Let's just say this. I am not convinced of the correlation versus causation arguments of a dropping part. People often pop points at cricket, right, and say, that would be out of pay well in 2005. Junior cricket numbers have gone through the floor. I'm not so sure how much of it is caused by the paywall because anybody will tell you in the past 15 to 20 years that the drop-off in junior sport participation is enormous and nothing yeah. is more of a pain in they the arse. They sold all the fucking playing fields, mate. And also just kids just don't want to do yeah. it, particularly between the ages of... I had Tony Fretwell on, um, a mate of mine who's, who's at the Women's FA now, who's at the RFL, who's a, you know, a national coach. And he said there's, there's this kind of black hole between 13 and 16 when you lose everybody. You lose so yeah. many people. And that's happening in every sport, everywhere. And when you think about cricket, the equipment and the time that cricket requires... I, Huge commitment. I think the paywall may have something to do with it. I'm completely. People are just drawing a very short, straight line from it oh. went behind a paywall, and now nobody plays it. And I just, I just, I'm, I, it's, cor- it's correlated. I'm not sure it's caused, and I, I, I remain unconvinced. So I'm not so cricket, sure. Is cricket fucking bankrupt? No, and England did win a World Cup last year. <laughs> it's the last thing. It's like people are saying, "Oh, well, nobody plays cricket anymore." Yeah, but. Cricket doesn't seem to have suffered demonstrably from what's happened. England have been quite good since they went to Sky, you know, until maybe the last couple of years as a test team. They they won they won the World Cup last year. Like I agree, I agree. Like I agree with you. It's almost certainly going to mean that some people are 
not going to be exposed to rugby that would have been in the past. But, but I what genuinely difference don't... will it make? Exactly. I, I honestly think that the, the people who are going to lose from the Six Nations, and I feel like a twat saying this, but they're fucking dead weight. They don't provide anything to this game beyond a fucking number that they that the Six Nations and the Premiership and everybody else can take to Sky or BT and go, this is how many people we've got. And if that's all you're providing, if that's all you're giving to the game of rugby, if that's all the little tiny thing that rugby matters to you is that you have the fucking decency to tune in for like four games a year, then you're not going to be the... You're not going to save us because rugby has spent 20 plus years basically waiting for audience numbers and participation and crowds to explode to the point where they could leverage it into serious commercial revenue but the reality is rugby's probably as big as it's ever going to be the number of people who like rugby is probably about as many people as like rugby and nobody else cares and i think we kind of have to accept that now because if we want the sport it's a minority sport and if we need, if we want the sport to continue to exist in the long term, we need a long-term cash injection. And the only option left, you know, they've tried fucking the Premiership selling itself to BT and the Pro 14 selling itself to Premier Sports and the Heineken Cup selling itself to BT and Sky and everybody else. It's like the only way that we're going to get serious coin, the only thing that's left is the Six Nations. All the fucking England Autumn Internationals are already on Sky. Half the fucking Wales ones were last year as well. Half of most, the only thing of rugby that isn't on some level of pay TV that isn't the World Cup, which is obviously protected, is the Six Nations. Mm. Unlike, we're heading towards the end of an era of massive pay TV sports rights deals, right? <laughs> like, yes. I don't know if that's a shock to anybody, but it fucking like the future will be direct streaming subscriptions like we're seeing in the US and in other sports. Yeah. Like, and let me tell you, if you don't have the audience numbers to make that affordable for people, then you might be in serious fucking trouble. And rugby at the moment absolutely does not have the audience numbers to charge people 10 quid a month direct to do mm. the Six Nations because there's not enough fucking people who like it. So we've basically got a cling to the life raft of Sky or BT or whoever the fuck will give us money for as long as we can or restructure your entire business model well what yeah what while presumably you know if they were being sensible about it they'd take this massive fucking cash injection and then use that basically as a lifeboat while the game restructures itself into something that can be profitable and can I be think successful that's the worry there's no i i don't really have a problem in principle with with, <clears> with a paywall because like you said it has to be paid i think but the worry is the people who are orchestrating it are not going to be here in five to seven years' time, Brian Moore made this point in his in his column. That's the I think that's what you should be worried about. I don't think it's a problem yeah. about selling it to Sky. I just think it's actually is anybody really structuring this for for long term? Thinking about because if if all it does is drive up player salaries, then where you left in five years' time when Sky go well actually mate nobody else is bidding so it's hundred million this time, or it's fifty yeah. million this time. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, we have to take the cash where we can get it, but it can't be short-term shit. It can't be, now everybody's got their CVC fucking windfall, let's all go and fucking build a 10 million quid training ground. I I, I read that Brian May, uh, Brian Moore column, and I, Brian May column, that was a very different column. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of badger talk in yeah. that one. Uh, yeah. And, and diffuse a hairdryer attachment, yeah, but look. <laughs> Plug hole unblocking. It was, you know, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm also saying, oh yeah, Brian Moore. Um, yeah, I read that column. I totally agreed with everything he said. And I totally agree with what everyone who's sort of getting really angry about this has said about it. I don't like it. I don't think it's a good thing that it's going off. But what's like to everyone I say, it's just like, what's your alternative? Give me another way that rugby can actually remain financially viable in the long term. People say make it a category A, don't they? So it's protected. Yeah, but then who, but where's the money going to come from? <laughs> Weirdly, though, it even does seem like it's a bit of a though, because aren't the, well, a lot of this is sources, isn't it? But a look, the Six Nations apparently said they won't let BBC and ITV bid jointly again, which seems weird. <laughs> Which basically well, it fixes seems to the me whole that they've thing, had a terrible it? fucking experience with working with yeah, both maybe. BBC yeah. and ITV. Um, which I guess, fair enough. Um, but the thing for me is just, yeah, like the only suggestion that I've seen is like, oh yeah, well we need to sort of get player salaries under control. And it's like, well, to that I say, get fucked. Like even when you look at the sort of toll that rugby takes on your long-term health and the risks involved and the shortness of careers, like players should be on much more than what they are for what they sacrifice for our entertainment anyway. Like, player salaries need to go up because they're paid absolute pittance compared to most fucking professional athletes in the world. And But then you come back the to solution. the fact that this is your point before. There's not enough people to sustain. Ultimately, even though it's a professional game now, it's still not that far away from boot money, is it? In professional no, sporting terms. Why not? Well, quite, and quite literally, in the case of clubs like Saracens, you know, they are effectively still operating that kind of, we'll top up your payment, don't tell anyone about it, sort of vibe and yeah like rugby can't continue to operate like that rugby can't continue to sort of straddle the worlds of amateurism and professionalism and that includes sometimes having to say things like you know what we've got to take the money but, but josh, then they also have to act like adults yes what, a, what about the children josh let me tell you a story yes The year is 1991. Yeah. It's a Saturday afternoon, somewhere in a house in Swansea. A six-year-old child is sad. His dad's not there as he's working overtime at the smelting plant to make ends meet. He works all the hours available after his wife, the young lad's mum, contracted balloon testers lung after working in quality control at the Novelties factory in Gorsinan for five years. As he stares out of the window, Wishing his dad was there to have an arm wrestle with him or maybe build something out of Meccano. Something inside the young man is telling him to turn on the television. An elemental force almost audibly whispering, have a look what's on the telly. You never know what's on free to air, young man. <laughs> he reaches out his little finger and pushes the large square button on the 21 inch GEC TV in the corner. He hears the familiar hum and then there's a light and a voice describing a a game being played. A jaunty voice in an accent he's only heard before on Supergram. But this man's voice sounds like home, like safety, like love. The game he's describing is a spectacle of speed and size with men running around with the ball, one team in blue, one team in red. It's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. The men in blue dance while those in red look mostly confused and downtrodden. But then, for the red team, something called a penalty is given. Up steps the captain, a man he thinks he's called Paul Thorburn. <laughs> a name like the snooker player that his nan watches. And joy fills the little man's heart as the captain sends the ball, sailing, arcing like a northern light of hope and pride through the impossibly tall posts on the television. 
Wales have three points. How his heart soars. Until he reads that France have 36 points. <laughs> but no matter. The young man cannot wait to tell his dad what he's seen. And when he comes home, his dad tells him to stop banging on because they got battered anyway. But the boy is undeterred. He now wishes to be, to be, to be one of those men in red more than anything else in the whole wide world. And Josh, that man grew up to be Warren Fury. <laughs> Without free to I mean, air, Josh, where will the next Warren Fury come from? Have really CVC got an answer for that? No, they fucking haven't, have they? That's the thing. It's like, what, what, is it, what are we going to do without the next generation of Warren Furies? Like... It's I know. honestly, honestly, unintended I, I, consequences. I can't imagine rugby without. Similar story. I could have told the same. A similar story about Mark Maple Toft or yeah. Graham Morrison, Kevin Mags. You know, any number of people. Yeah, and now we'll be robbed of what the, the, the undiluted joy of watching those players take to the field every week. Yeah. And then saying, Dad, Honestly, take me to a rugby you club. Me around. Fuck, fuck take money. me to a rugby fuck club it. immediately because I've seen something <laughs> on the telly for five minutes. Uh, um, yeah. So. I mean, it's bollocks, isn't it? It's, <laughs> abs- it's, it's a silly idea. The thing, that, the thing that about that, before we, I'm going to just carry on talking about this fucking stupid thing, but like people talk about the cricket thing and, oh, after 2005, you never saw cricket again, you know, and that's killed it. That was 2005. MySpace barely existed in 2005. <laughs> yes. Like, as you sort of said, Sky stick the fucking full highlights of every single Premier League game on YouTube. If you honestly think that kids aren't going to be able to... Like, do you honestly think the kids watch rugby matches? I'll tell you what they fucking watch. If they like rugby, they're probably watching fucking tri-compilations on YouTube. Or Squidge. Yeah, or Squidge, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. They're not fucking... They ain't... Fuck it. The, that's the only thing that it's just struck me is the one thing that will be absolute fucking bullshit about this is that you can bet your fucking ass that Sky will be an absolute twat to people like Squidge and yes. all like him. Yes, they will, poor Squidge. So I mean, I, you know, I'm imagining a lot of listeners to be honest, and I'm sorry out there. Imagine us to be coming out fuming about this, yeah, know, and all that. Because and but, I'm just not. No, I I've always paid. <laughs> Exactly. I always paid for like I like sport. Ergo, I fucking pay for the sport that I like, and I'm happy to. Sort I mean, of... the IPTV providers are going to get a lot of money out of this, probably, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to watch a fucking dodgy stream in the Six Nations than it is at the moment. I'll tell you that for nothing. But <laughs> yeah, uh, which is another example of what a minority sport rugby is when you can't get a properly working stream. Yeah, the Tyson Fury fight. They're about five hundred to choose from. They all work brilliantly. <laughs> But that's the thing. It's like they, the kids will still find a way if they're interested to see rugby, whether it's on Twitter or on YouTube or on fucking Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. Like they will see enough of the fucking glitz and glamour and excitement right. of rugby well, one way or the other. If you think that free to wear generates any kind of proper participation, I, I've got two words for you: Wimble and done. Done. Bingo bango. Because fucking hell, you know, no fucker. You know, millions watch Wimbledon. No fuckers interested in playing tennis, really, are they? Yeah. And it's piss- It's so a hell I... of a lot easier to buy a tennis racket and find one person to play against than it is to find a whole fucking rugby team. I think twice. people who go to rugby clubs and play rugby 
do it for myriad reasons. Probably one of the least one of them is that they've seen it on the telly. Yeah, I completely agree. Anyway. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah, sorry to be on the side of the, like Murdoch and stuff. He's not involved anymore, though. So no, you know. Well, anyway, it's you know, it is what it is. I mean, we get, we do get massively shafted in this country. I've bought uh, a number of tickets to see my favourite artist across Europe in November. And what's noticeable mm-hmm. is buying tickets for gigs in Antwerp and Cologne. There's no booking fee. Yeah. It's ten pound cheaper a ticket. There's no booking fee. They don't charge me two pound fifty for the fucking privilege of printing it <coughs> off myself at home. Yeah. Like the London and the Manchester venues are doing. You know, basically, we have to accept the fact that we're getting fucking shafted in this country, left, right, and centre, but we, this is what we put up with. So there you yeah. go. It's really interesting to look at the States as well, because the States have a lot more... Like, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to get all of these sports that you want to watch in America, and yet it's unbelievably expensive to get the internet. Is it really? Like, I didn't know that. A cable, a cable, like a decent cable TV with all the sports channels you'd want probably costs about 30 bucks a month. But then it costs seventy bucks a month to get decent broadband. It's like it's five totally megabytes. Opp- yeah. It's like the opposite of what it is in Britain. But yeah, you can buy MLB TV for like ninety nine dollars for a season and watch. They have every to use a lot more cable like. there, to be fair, don't they? A that lot more true. cable yeah. to span. You know, the Wichita linemen's out there. You know what I mean? They've got to be paid. <laughs> but yeah, MLB TV is fucking what is it? One hundred twenty one dollars for the year to watch 300 spring training games and every single fucking live game, you know, live or later on, or highlights of all 162 games for every, all 40 teams in Major League Baseball. That thing about a lot of wire reminds me of, I'm a big Who fan, right? Yeah. And Pete Townsend had this Lifehouse project that he tried to complete for about 30 years, parts of which became Who's Next. And his pitch with that, he effectively created something like the film The Matrix as an idea. (laughs) He did. He said, basically, everyone gets in a suit and, and then yeah. everything's fed to you through this suit. All your entertainment, all your food, everything, and that's how you live. And he pitched this idea to the bad and he said, this is what I was up against because I pitched it to the bad and said, here's my vision of what it is. And Roger Dodge said, that'll never work. He said, what do you mean? He said, because it'd need too much wire to connect <laughs> it all together. So forget the artistic vision, it needs too much wire. That always... did, didn't he release... That in the end, he though, did like, in like really the recently. late 90s, I think. But he's done, he's, he did Lifehouse Live about 10 years ago. Yeah, it's it's it was all I mean, all the good songs of it went on Who's Next. You don't just listen to any no. of the other songs on it. And there what he's doing, and I think first of May 2007, he released online software called the Lifehouse Method in which any sitter could create a musical portrait. Yeah, he, he overthinks a lot of it, doesn't he? But it's uh, the um, <laughs> the Yes, so, and, and I think, you know, when George Lucas said, I've always had this idea for prequels and blatantly didn't, just made it all up 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, prequel. 100%. I think he, he takes a lot of albums, tracks some other albums and goes, yeah, these were always meant for life houses. Like, they weren't, though, were they? You blatantly wrote no. them in 1978, <laughs> eight years afterwards. You know, stop, it's kind of... stop, say, stop saying that all the good ones were destined for life house. You just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so too, them off for the who. Too much wire. Yeah, happens to the best of us, you know. Uh, um. Okay, so anything more on this? No. No. However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice so you can choose life with benefits, style with benefits, sports, 
Your life, your style, your sports at lifestylesports.com. Some days the couch just calls to us. Take a seat. Grab the remote. My cushions are extra cosy today. And while we all want to get off the couch to set a healthier routine, not knowing how to start can feel overwhelming. Healthy Ireland is a trusted source for easy-to-follow tips and advice, like getting a friend involved with your healthy habits so they'll be able to motivate you on those tougher days. Search Healthy Ireland and get set for life this winter. From Healthy Ireland, a Government of Ireland initiative supporting health and well-being for everyone and helping us off our couches. Jesus, 45 put, minutes Put in. your hands in your pockets, you shits. We'll, That's what I we'll say. We'll cover bits of the weekend and shit good. Shall we talk about the uh, Six Nations games? Should there be any? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. First up, can we just all agree that coronavirus is right fucking ball like all of a sudden? Um, I mean, it probably was if you had it anyway, but... <laughs> yes, well, probably maybe an understatement, yeah. But it's... Uh... Now, now, if you live in a country where only 30 people out of 59 million have got it, it's apparently a pain in the ass as well. So, Ireland, Italy this weekend is uh, cancelled, has been for some time. Yeah. Um, France, Scotland might be cancelled or might have to be played behind closed doors. Um, That'd be great, though. I'd love to hear them all shouting. That's what I like about behind closed doors. You can really hear the players shouting at each other. I quite exactly. like that. There'd be, like, basically, it would be 80 minutes of the commentator apologising for any course language that you might just have heard. Does the cockerel still get to hear... come in? Will it just be a cockerel wandering around the outside oh, of the pit? No, you can't risk a cockerel. Come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, bird flu as well. Corona, yeah. <laughs> Did you really want to throw this into the... Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, the the Six Nations have come out today and said, um, we're not cancelling any games. And then with the massive caveat, unless... Unless we do. <laughs> Well, basically, unless somebody fucking in the country that that game is being played in says that you can't play it here, which absolutely throws. So currently, even though Ireland, Italy is cancelled this weekend, they're for some reason not cancelling Italy, England next weekend, which is in Rome, because Rome isn't in the quarantine zone yet, which to me seems absolutely fucking bananas. (laughs) But hey ho. Um, we're we're cancelling it. Why? Dustin Hoffman's just turned up in a hazmat suit. <laughs> it's twenty. 000, well, yeah. Let's let's send twenty thousand English people to Italy, and then bring them back, and have them sit in a, a stadium packed in with a load of Italian people, many of whom will be coming from the north of Italy, where rugby's really actually funny. played. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was supposed to fly into Treviso on Saturday, and a woman died in Treviso on the Thursday before. I said, let's just not bother, shall we? Because. Plus, I, I didn't fancy self-isolating for two weeks. Although that does actually sound quite appealing. No, I don't. That's I'm, I'm sorry, love. No, I can't talk to you. I've got to sit in here playing my guitar for two weeks. Genuinely, the doctor's orders. The bit about it that really appeals to me is <laughs> self-isolating for a fortnight. I mean, we still do this. Come, come, come we? Just, yeah. Two weeks of podcasting. That'd be great. As we slowly lost our minds by day eleven. Can you imagine the shit that had come out of our mouth? <laughs> day three, mate. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I've been very optimistic there. Um, anyway, yeah, so, so what looks yeah. like is happening is Wales is Wales Island. Wales versus England, or England versus yes, Wales, that's actually. definitely happening, sadly. I'd love it if they would just cancel the whole Six Nations. Dan Bigger's injured. Everyone's injured. Wales have managed to acquire a full-on comedy fly-half injury crisis this week because, uh, obviously, Gareth Sanderson, Reese Patchell, already injured on the long term. Um, Dan Bigger did something to his knee which 
Chris Boyd said is that he's just hyperextended his knee, which I think he w- wants to make it sound reassuring, but that still doesn't sound reassuring to me. No. Um, hyperextension of anything is well, not Callum good. Sheedy, uh, Callum Sheedy. Callum Clark well, hyperextended somebody's elbow. That wasn't good. He absolutely did. It was horrible. Um, and then Reese Priestland looked to have done something pretty bad to his Achilles uh, at the tail end of Bath Bristol yesterday. So, oh yes, friends, we are looking down the barrel of Wales going to Twickenham with Jared Evans as the only fit 10 who's actually played for Wales recently. Um, a fine player with, I genuinely think, George Ford after 50 caps-esque ceiling, but who, let's be real here, is very much in his George Ford after less than 10 caps phase of reliability <laughs> plus really on the test stage. Um, but what's the alternative? Um, Sam Davis. Well, I'll, run, I'll, I'll run them through you. Yeah, Hit Behind me. door number one, you have Sam Davis, a player who has managed the rare feat of looking reinvigorated since he moved to Newport. Fair play to him. For <laughs> uh, that alone. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a shoe in. Um, but he also gives you the, if he was going to do it, he'd have done it by now vibes when it comes to being a test player. Because for all the talk of him being one-time junior world player of the year, which is a, a, a sentence that has to be in any article that mentions Sam Davis by law, um, that was 2013. He's 26 years old now. Mm. Do you know who else is 26? George Ford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who has got 60-odd caps now. Uh, Sam Davis has one. I remain unconvinced with that as a good option, but he has been training with Wales this week. Um, What's behind door number two, Josh? Behind door number two, you have Hadley Parks. <laughs> Fucking hell, I know, but here we are. Um, he could play the classic <laughs> pivot role, though, and not run. That would probably work <laughs> perfectly for him. Well, that's the thing. He, he, pivot was quite a fan of using Parks as sort of an emergency slash end of the game 10 at the Scarlets. And given that he seems to be of the opinion that anything that worked in the Pro 14 for him is going to be just as effective at test level... Um, I don't see his hubris discouraging him from that notion at all, that the lowest world's slowest 12 can fill in as the world's slowest 10 as well. I mean, it might work, I guess. But it also means that if he gets injured, um, and let's face it, he puts himself through quite a lot of punishment, um, it'll be Jared Evans having to play the full 80 against an England pack who are going to be lining up to break him in half. So that'll be fun. Um, Behind door number three, we've got... um, Callum Sheedy? Well, I would say before I say that he sees door number four. Door number three, realistically, is probably Sam Costello, uh, the under twenties fly off, who was with the senior squad before the France game when they thought that Bigger might be injured last time. What about your man from the Ospreys? Where does he go looking? Uh, he's door number <laughs> one hundred and seven, uh, and there are only a hundred eligible players. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> um, door number yeah. one hundred and six is a corgi. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. He's uh, a tackle dummy <laughs> with a, with a ten, wearing a ten jersey. Um, yeah, Sam Costello and Wales under twenty fly off currently plays for Leicester. Um, he trained with the senior squad during the uh, in the lead up to the France game. Uh, he probably understands the system a bit better than Davis would, given that he's had a bit more time with it. Um, and he's very, very talented. But he's 19, he's 5 foot 8, and that is not a mix I fancy throwing in at Twickenham, if I'm brutally honest with you. Just stand there, will uh, you, while Manu runs a, runs, a dumb, runs a scissor at you, okay? Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just stand here while Courtney lines you up for an absolute fucking highlight reeler. Um, 
And then, yeah, behind door number four, we have Callum Sheedy, who honestly is just pissing me off a bit now with his Sean Edwards-esque fucking coquettish lifting of the skirt to whoever seems most interested in captain. Wasn't he in, in the that squad for moment. that England-Barbarians game? He played in, he played in the England-Barbarians uh, game, which was uncapped. Um, it doesn't exactly say that I'm committed to play for Wales. <laughs> fucking right. Does it, it really? Um, but since then, basically, he hasn't been near an England squad. And in his own words, he hasn't heard anything from Eddie Jones since. And he hasn't heard anything from Wayne Pivak either. So, But he's making noises about Wales again because people keep asking him about it. I had to say um, to describe people like this, but let's, you know, is, is Callum, because I don't know, is Callum Sheedy Welsh Welsh? Was he, is he like born in Wales, grew up there and moved to Bristol to play? Or is he qualified via a relative? Uh, he is born in Wales, grew up there. I don't know, if he, was he born in Wales? I think he was born in Wales and grew up there and then moved to England to play. However, his parents are Irish. Um, and I'm sure right. if Ireland give him a shout, he'll be donning a fucking green shirt in a Benteo kind of manner in no time. But um, he said... It... He's obviously not feeling a great desire to play for Wales, is he? I mean, he can change clear... him whenever he wants. And if he wants to commit to it, then he can. I don't understand that's, that's that. But... If he wants to play for England on residency ground, because that's the country that he feels... You know, there were some fairly ugly rumours that he basically wanted to play for England more than Wales because England pay you more per match. But I don't like to sort of. Well, there I will mean, be people you know, like that, and that's fine. Like you know, that, whatever. And that's fine. You know. It's sort of grubby when you think about it in the context of Test rugby, but that is a factor. Um, clearly, he wanted to play for Eng- or England, were more interested in him than Wales were under Warren Gatland. In all seriousness, though, he's a very exciting, interesting, talented player. He's very good for Pivak's sort of suicidally attacking game mm, plan because mm. he, you know, Pat Lamb kind of does that anyway. It's a big old ask for some an uncapped player to come into an environment in four days and do anything though. So I just he might get a call up in the summer maybe if he'd even fucking pick up the phone. But but Jared Evans I, is playing the full eighty, isn't he? That's the top and bottom. Of it. That's what's going well, to I happen. Think, yeah, here. Jared, Jared Evans is going to play as much of the game as he is physically able until he gets broken in half, and then Sam Davis will come on. Um, that's the only logical thing. And I think Sam Davis should actually be rewarded for, I don't know, it's probably fucking, not going to be a world-beating international player. He deserves player, a he? chance. And also, I'll tell you what Sam Davis is that fucking Cal- that Jared, that Callum Sheedy isn't, that Jared Evans isn't, is... He is a good ta- like tactical ten, you and he know. keeps winning games in the last minute with really ballsy he's, fucking kicks. Yeah, so. he's a superb. He's a superb. He's one of the most beautiful fucking strike line kickers of the ball in world rugby. He can boot it a fucking country mile. I would be tempted to just fucking stick him on there, and if it if the fancy fancy shit isn't working with Jared Evans in the first forty minutes, I just stick him on at the second half and tell him to boot it into the corners for the rest of the game and see what happens. But, yeah, basically, we're going to get fucking dicked. England likely to be as you were, apart from the fact that Mako's back from his family uh, Yeah, so England's going to be stronger. So we're going to to bring even more terrifying power at home. (laughs) And Wales are going to send two players that didn't even, you know, make it into the World Cup squad. That's how far down the pecking order they were. Sam Davis wasn't even in the fucking pecking order. He wasn't even in the sort of speculative articles before the fucking World Cup about going. He wasn't so... even in the heads of terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, the fact that it's come to Jared Evans and... Like, you, you have to have some sympathy for Pivak's... The injury problems that Pivak has had, particularly at 10. Yes. For his first tournament, that we are 
in a situation where we're going to Twickenham with Jared Evans starting and Sam Davis on the bench is fucking unprecedentedly shit. Well, no, it's There's not unprecedented. No... It's happened quite regularly to Wales, but it's 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 you wouldn't want it to happen. I understand that. But usually there's one sort of there's like usually like a player that's all right, and then it's a fucking shit show. Whereas like there are no players left that are even remotely all right. You don't have to stick the shovel in very deep to get to nobody's all right anymore, do you? <laughs> in terms yeah. of depth, well, we've gone. I'm half a shovel through... down, and I'm already into the manure. Sorry, we've gone through three international caliber fly-offs in Gareth Hanscom, Dan Bigger, and. Uh, and Patchell. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, most teams would be probably struggling with their fourth fly-off as well, but not quite as badly as this. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't think there's not much to say about this game beyond that England are going to absolutely fucking batter Wales in every facet of the game and probably win by about 50. Yes. And I'm thinking of just going down the mumbles that day, if I'm brutally honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not even a euphemism. He's literally going to... No. It does sound like one, though. I went yeah, down the mumbles. It was so bad. Um, yeah, that's. I can't see anything more than... There's nothing much more to be said on that. The um, And then I suppose France-Scotland, if it goes ahead... I, you yeah. Know, Scotland ain't winning, well, are they? What if they... What if they allow, I mean, France like may still camp- have a daft fucking performance in them. That's the thing. Yeah, I think they they absolutely do still. Like... I just think and, Intermax is playing far too well. That halfback pairing is so fucking good. It's almost like even with all the shit and Fiku playing reasonably well. Well, just Fiku not doing stupid shit and being really fucking solid has made such a difference. So you know, and their lineouts, um, the, the, the French lineout's still not great, but then again, Scotland's hasn't been amazing either. So no, and. Yeah, I just I look at that game. Well, you know how the France have got this ban on gatherings of more than five thousand people. Yes. What if they just did a lottery and allowed four thousand nine hundred ninety nine people in to the Stade de France? Why not? Five five thousand people in an eighty thousand seat stadium. I mean, for Scotland's a lot how of Edinburgh the population like of Paris not game. congregated in more than five thousand people. How's that placed? I don't know. Because surely just. People being on the streets will be more than 5,000 people. I think it's in an enclosed space. You're not allowed to uh, You're not allowed to get people. But yeah, you know, for, for anybody who's played for Edinburgh on the Scotland side, 5,000 people in an 80,000-seater stadium would be like <laughs> oh, playing yeah. home games. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, they'd be, everyone else would be discombobulated. But, uh, <laughs> but the Edinburgh lads would be sorted, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Edinburgh fans. That was a really it's true, though. Low, and, low and easy joke. But, you know, I'm yeah. going for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see anything other, unless Finn Russell is some sort of tactical master genius who's given, yeah. you know, Gregor the the keys to the the French. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't even finish that thought. It's so silly. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just I can't see anything more than a France win. I think it'll be closer than a lot of people would imagine it to be, though. I think it's going to be a hard game. I think Scotland. I've got a bit of niggle about them in this tournament, which yes, I will be beneficial. I know on it was only Italy last time, but they did, they did defend pretty well. Yeah, they've they've defended very well full stop this tournament. Really, even you know, yeah, even though they think about the Ireland game, really, it was yeah. They worked, the, you know, they did work very, very fucking hard, and you know, <laughs> you've got to give it to him. You know, it's. Some some ex Ospreys coaches are, are you know 
better than others. You uh, always uh, said he was a better defensive coach, though, didn't you? You always I said you had did. no problem I with him did. as a forward stroke defence coach. It was just... Uh... And, he, and I always thought he was good at that, and he just wasn't really that suited to, the you know, whatever the, whatever the hell happened at the Ospreys over the last couple of years. But, yeah, it's it's he's done a really good job on the whole, I think, of, of making them respectable defensively. They don't seem to make the sort of silly mistakes that they made last year nearly as often. But still, like you say, those halfbacks are playing so fucking well. Mm. And you, you've just got to think that there's a moment of magic from one or t'other. You know? Yes. Dupont was relatively quiet against Wales. He played very well still. No, he, he, just, didn't... he was just 8 out of 10. <laughs> He didn't do any. Yeah, he didn't do anything that made your fucking jaw drop. And I would say that he's probably good for a moment where your jaw drops about once every other game. So. Vakatawa's had a couple of flashes, hasn't he? That's all going to link together at some point. So. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Shall we uh, move on to shit good? Yes, we better add. This has been quite a weird meandering podcast, hasn't it? Hey, because um, you know, so different to most yeah. weeks, obviously. Um. <laughs> Right, what have we got then? Shit. Where you go? You got um, anything? Or am I just going to Twitter? To the lovely uh, people. Car- I mean, Cardiff Blues' injury situation this week where they had five fit backs. Um, that's suboptimal, wasn't it? <laughs> to be fair, they gave a decent account of themselves away to Edinburgh given that they had, I said again, five fit backs. Yes, um, Anna, Anna said shit. Um, Cardiff fucking Blues, specifically having no fit backs and having changing yeah. half the squad at the 11th hour. But Good was going to Edinburgh and not net- getting absolutely battered, despite the aforementioned situation. Yes, fair enough. Bath Bites gets in touch and says, Shit, it was spending 80 minutes watching Bath smash into the Bristol defence like a money shot banging on the end of a Johnny. <laughs> visceral image. <laughs> that is fucking visceral. That's visceral. I mean, yeah. I would say, on the flip side of that, I would say that John Muldoon has done fucking wonders with the Bristol defence compared to what they were. I love John Muldoon. Me too. I just look at him. He's what being a big hard club player is all about. And now he'll just get it. He'll serve some club for the rest of his natural life now as a coach. Good for him. Yeah. But yeah, he's done a great job with Bristol defence. They were fucking absolutely, particularly in like the last 10 minutes when Bath were just desperate. He basically, Bristol's defence were psychotically. Are you trying to say he's a better coach than John Thomas? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, yeah, kind of. Where is he? Where's John Thomas gone? He's still at Bristol. Oh. I just don't. He's, What's he he's now? going to Worcester. He's going to Worcester at the end of the season. But I think for the moment, John Thomas is kind of just sitting there whistling quietly to himself. <laughs> um, yeah. Grant Taylor gets in touch. He says, "Shit is the Newcastle Falcons turning fans away from the airport on safety grounds before flying the team and officials out on a club chartered plane to Jersey." Whatever the reason, allowing people to turn up at the airport uninformed about a decision is a cons trick. Yes. I agree, yeah. Grant. Yes. Yeah. I mean, airports are the worst place to be in the world anyway, even when you're going somewhere. Agreed. Never mind when you yeah. turn to go back home. James Franklin gets in touch. He says, shit is Gloucester. Even by our standards, the last, the last few weeks have been a major fuck-up. I mean, last Friday, it was absolutely pissing it down when we actually stopped playing porno rugby and decided to kick for territory and keep it in forwards. It worked. It's funny, that, isn't it? Never change, yeah, Gloucester. I don't want sense from Gloucester. I absolutely don't want sense. I want Gloucester to be as balmy as they ever were. 
but I would quite like them to get in the top four or something. Just absolutely. No, I'd love. Yeah. yeah. Now that can you imagine. Can you imagine the celebrations that will go off if they manage to win the Premiership somehow? I tell you what, though, can you imagine a, you know, if by some sort of weird thing, a, a sort of Gloucester versus Bristol semi-final would Glorious. just be just everyone throwing it around all over the place. Yeah, some kind of Fun ridiculous time. decision especially, made late well, on to lose the game. Yeah, especially as it would be played in like May. So the ground would be nice and hard. The weather would be nice. And both teams would basically be just constantly offloading for 80 minutes with no end. Uh, have you got any more shit? No. Uh, 10 <laughs> Ep gets in touch. He said, given how well he's playing down in South Africa, is shit. the shit is how little bat game plan and or coaching managed to get out of Jamie Roberts. He's doing remarkably well at the Stormers, isn't he? Almost yeah. like a bit of sunshine is, uh, is sorted him right out. A bit out. of sunshine, some hard grounds, and it's funny. Memories of 2009 rattling around his massive fucking head. Exactly. Uh... You take Jamie Roberts to fucking South Africa and something special happens. And <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think it would still work. You know, I, th- I think at this point in his career, Jamie Roberts could just go to South Africa and just become that Jamie Roberts again. But apparently, yeah. It's like a sort of place of power, like a sort of old sage or druid of some kind. You put him in his seat of power and all of a sudden he's reinvigorated like some sort of... Hmm. What else we got here? Um, Halka Rich gets in touch and he says, shit is Ben Obano. So much hype, but never seen him actually do anything. Like Heath was all over him on Sunday. You know somebody's not really that good when all you ever talk about is how big your thighs are. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He is a big lad. Like, there's, there's no getting away from the fact that he is a big lad. But I have a very unpopular opinion do? and a contrary one in that I always thought the Beast was only rated that highly because he had the nickname the Beast. Mm, I thought he definitely. I say he actually was arguably became better than he ever was in the last couple of years. Yeah, probably. I <laughs> like agree in with terms that. of. His- his scrummaging ability. I thought he was monstrously was a, overrated for quite a long time. Yeah. I, I would not disagree with that. Anyway, yeah. Should we move on to good? Yeah. Yeah, we probably should, shouldn't we? What have you yeah. got? Anything good? Um, good. I I think good is... Oh, actually, another shit. Uh, I mean, Wasp fans won't be thinking of shit, but shit is maybe die was the problem after all. <laughs> yes. I, I fucking love him. But you look at those last two results. They hang 60s on Saris. They get a bonus point away at London Irish. And yeah, I'm, it's, things look a lot less shit in Coventry that, at the moment than they did a couple of weeks ago, which I'll admit is grading on a curve somewhat because it's in Coventry. But still, it's like, oh. What well, oh. I want to know is, is Dai's pie monkey still there? He's the guy with the, the big, coach, long beard. Hey? He's probably the head coach now, mate. I don't <laughs> yes. know. Well, that's quite a step up, isn't it? The bloke who it brings Dia Pai to head coach and putting 60 on Saracens. Fair play to him. Um, good. I'm good. I'm a big fan of refs wantonly and wrongly awarding karmically appropriate penalty tries to cover their own asses at the end of games, as happened uh, <laughs> with Christoph Ridley at the end, in the 86th minute of Quinns versus Exeter. Never in a million years a penalty try. That scrum wasn't... It was going sideways and would never have got over the line and shouldn't have been awarded. However, 
he absolutely fucked it by blowing up when just before Gabby Abitoy literally went over and scored the winning try a couple of minutes earlier. And he blatantly was just like, whatever happens here, a try has to be scored by Quinns or I am literally never going to get over it. But what I also, what I like about it is that nobody's really cares. He apologised to Rob Baxter after the game and Rob Baxter was like, eh, probably should have lost. That is absolutely fucking peak Rob Baxter, that is. Isn't it? He just takes he's everything like... with the same completely non-committal face. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, yeah, you, it was the wrong decision, but ultimately you made a bad decision it should have cost us the game anyway earlier, so... Yeah, and everybody, and all the pundits and everyone's going, even Wayne Barnes is just going like, yeah, he's got it wrong, and then he's played on his mind, and yeah. It's like, I love that. It's like, every, that's what everyone would do in that situation. Who hasn't fucked up at work and then basically tried to cover it up? Yes, indeed. That's, it's like, we've all done it. I think Rob I, Baxter compares everything that happens in rugby with the fact that he doesn't have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to milk 300 cows anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how bad could yeah. it be, really? I'm not up at fucking five o'clock tomorrow morning to milk 300 cows. So, yeah, fair dues, mate. Not a problem. He's basically, he's basically the coaching equivalent of the saying, worst things happen at sea. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, well, you know, yeah. could be on a trawler somewhere. No. Uh, what uh, yes. Elaine Jones good. gets in touch. She says that mm-hmm. good is BBC Radio Northampton's commentary team and their complete lack of giving a fuck in expressing their hatred for Saracens throughout their entire game commentary. At full time, one of them said, she said I didn't catch his name, but one of them said, well, we won't see them for a couple of years and I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely shithouse behaviour on the BBC. That's glorious. What I like about That's... that is all the people who don't like the BBC will go fucking ape shit about that as well. You know, oh yeah, I'm being taxed to pay for these incredibly biased people. <laughs> Hilarious! If local radio can't be bloody slanted, then what? Where can Jamie Phillips well, exactly. get? Jamie Phillips gets in touch. He says, "Good is well, Jamie, not so long-suffering Dragons fan anymore." Indeed, you won a bloody game. He says, "Good is Tane Basham." I know I keep banging on about him, but it's only because he's so bloody good and he's going to only get better. Super talented player. Yeah, agreed. Lots of good notices for his performance this weekend. I think wasn't there? Yes. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying. I, I love with you. I didn't watch the game, but um, yeah, it looked like I did enjoy the cheetahs coach actually before that game, complaining that the pitch was muddy. Um. <laughs> Nobody Which told like, me when I joined a league that plays in the winter in Europe that there would yeah, be mud. That there might it might be a bit muddy in Newport in February <laughs> after the wettest fucking February on record. They're lucky that they weren't playing in like three feet of water a couple of years ago. Fucking Rodney Parade would literally have been a swimming pool. Yeah, it looked like New Road Worcester's cricket ground every time it rains <laughs> for two days. The entire it's entirely underground, underground, underwater. Uh, what have we got here? James gets in touch and he says, "Good is the Ospreys." Weird to say it, but well, I'm interested in your views on this, Josh. He said, "Weird to say it, but the social media team have been putting out some really interesting things recently, mainly the talks with Mike Ruddock, but also the signing of Matt Prothero and the re-signing of Justin Tipperick." They did recruit a uh, new social media guy midway through the season, which I feel sort of partly responsible for. Um, but yeah, it's been quite a good week to be an Ospreys fan because we haven't had to play a game and lose, <laughs> which is good. Um, yeah, Justin Tipperick's been convinced to not abandon us. Um, we've got Toby Booth in as head coach next season. Who, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. He, he nearly won a bloody premiership London Irish, that fellow. Yeah. He got to and he got to uh, premiership final when he was head coach at Bath. Mm. It's yeah, you know, he's got a decent pedigree and we've signed uh, what's his face, Matt Pudler from Bristol, who's excellent. And yeah, it's been a pretty good week. I'd I'd, I'd take this week over most other weeks of the season, <laughs> if I'm brutally honest. Um yeah, it's all going weirdly okay and I feel weird about it and I'm not sure what's gonna happen next. <laughs> Um, well, Will Owen gets in touch and he says, "Good eternally, Talupi Falatau rescuing the ball out of a stagnant, if not backpedalling scrum, <laughs> only to make it look so like it, like his pack is totally dominant." He did so much of that yesterday for the, like literally the number of times to which he was basically reaching into the hooker's feet and then sort of <laughs> just calmly just like doing that little arcing run thing of his where yeah. that still somehow takes scrum arms by surprise. Yes, and makes about four yards where he had absolutely no and that right. That two-inch sidestep he's got, which completely baffles yeah. everybody. Everyone, yeah, um, yeah. I, I he think... looked like he genuinely like he it still looks short of his best, but he looked a lot more like Falatau for Bath yesterday. There was a couple of nice little breaks. There was tackles he had absolutely no business making. It was it was nice to see that he's getting back to where he needs to be. But as, as Sarah responded to that tweet, uh, Ninja's link, Sarah said, when he did play for the Dragons, all he, all he ever got was backpedalling scrums there for his entire, <laughs> for his entire career. He, was there, good so. point. he knows that shit, yeah. yeah. If you need something to fall back on, it's this backpedalling scrum technique of mine. Um, Joe Taring gets in touch. He, says, he said it's good. He says good is, it's shit when Eddie Butler does it. But the South African commentator deciding that with a name like Joe Marchant, he must be French, and giving it the full Gallic pronunciation was very, very funny. Joe Marchant. How, how, I'm, going to, I'm not even going to attempt it, but how would a South African person trying to do a French accent say a name <laughs> that's actually English? What would that sound oh, like? Boy, going anywhere Joe, near that. The ball comes out to Joe Marchant. I don't, how was Marchand? I don't know. That, no good. Um, <laughs> Finally in good, Ian Alexander gets in touch. He says, Hull FC, and that's not to confuse matters, that's a rugby league team, Hull FC. Yes. Uh, booing Follow on his first game in the UK. Ian says, I did an interview denouncing him beforehand with Sky Sports News, pitch side, <laughs> hashtag humble brag, while he was about 20 metres away, and he looked fucking livid about the whole situation. He said, however, he is absolutely fucking massive, but he's a homophobic bastard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fair juice, you mean? I, I reckon yeah. if I was, you know, I, I'll talk big here. When I was stumbling in, t- t- you know, twenty meters, of him, I, I might be a little more circumspect. But uh... <laughs> remember that time we went to the rugby and you were stood like twenty meters away from Haskell in yes. the warm up. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. Exactly. What I remember most about that is seeing um, Anthony Watson was coming back off his injury and doing a bit of rehab, catching some balls, and 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 I went, I'd not seen him. Obviously, seen him, and I've been to see matches that he's playing, but I've never seen him that close because we were right on the pitch yeah. side, weren't we? He's yeah. fucking massive. He is jai fucking. And not just massive, just looks like a like a proper terrifying fast twitch athlete nightmare. Yeah, but he's a he's really like, really big lad. Yeah, Anthony Watson is basically like all rugby players are fantastic athletes. Don't get me wrong, but Anthony Watson is genuinely a very special kind of athlete yes. that you don't see much of. But yeah, have you got any have more you- goods? Uh, one good, this sort of good. He's sort of, I think it's good that he's upfront about it. But Don Barrow, uh, former Leicester Northampton yes. lock, um, who has uh, 
basically retired from rugby at 26. Um, not because he's injured or anything, but um, and he had offers from places like Japan after he went um, after he was released by Saints last year. But he's basically just like, I just don't really like rugby anymore, and so I'm just going to stop playing. He, he's now going to he's now a, a director of a green technology company that's putting in fucking electric vehicle charging points somewhere, which seems like a good way to make money in 2020, if I'm brutally honest. But yeah, he basically was really kind of upfront and said. When I didn't get picked for England in 2017, um, it really fucking killed my love of the game, and I never really enjoyed it after that. And I just kind of, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't sort of, I just, I got really pissed off that I didn't, and really disappointed, and I never really got over it. And so I just decided to fucking knock it on the head. And I respect the shit out of that. And he's obviously, he obviously had some options, which made it easier. But I think there's that more people need to learn that lesson. If you're not happy in your work. Yeah, make a plan. I, I know it's easier said than done, but make a plan. Yeah, and it's like it's not like Barrow was. He was like captain of the under twenties when they won the mm-hmm. uh, the world championship with like Henry Slade and Noel and Anthony Watson and Luke Cowan Dickey and all those guys. And like, it must be shit to sit there and watch all these yeah. guys that you came up with and played with go on to win fucking high honours and play in Lions tours and all this sort of thing and you can't even I mean, he's get... In a fit, he's, he's in a pretty competitive position, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the reality. Well, actually, nobody's saying he should have been picked. He's just saying that actually, all right. But he just he was honest enough to himself to go, I just can't keep doing this. Yeah, he's like, I'm, if I'm not going to be, you know, the best of this, then I just don't really enjoy it that much. And I think, yeah, I've got a respect for somebody to just turn around and go, yeah, because it's such a dream job for well, so theory, many people. Yeah. In theory, you know. Everything becomes so many a routine. People, yeah, so many people have that, oh, I'd love to be where you are sort of thing. But it's a job. I mean, whisper it, Josh, a lot like of people, job. you've got a lot of people's dream job. They don't yeah. feel like it, does it? <laughs> Some <Okay>. days. <laughs> Feels like fucking work a lot of the time, mate, yeah. <laughs> Writing and... about something you love is what people yeah. would see as something is wonderful. Yeah. People said that to me, absolutely... would you, if you had your time again, would you want to be a rugby journalist? No. Fuck no. I would hate to be a rugby journalist. I would not want to be that... following teams around the world and working all weekend all the time and, and watching... I mean, a lot of games you watch are shit, aren't they? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. I, I discovered, what was it, three or four days into my um into my work experience at the fucking South Wales Echo in about 2002 or 2003 that I absolutely did not want to be a fucking sports journalist ever. And... Yeah, I've no interest in doing it. I would never want to do it. Love rugby, love sport. It's no, absolutely wouldn't do it again. Duncan Hamilton's yeah. book about Brian Clough, the entire introduction or kind of forward is all about that. About how, because he was the Nottingham Forest correspondent on the mm. Nottingham Evening Post, he just says just so many games that all blur into shit because they're just dull and wet and awful, and you have to cover all of them. He said, and that's he said, and the thing is, I can't complain that much because I had Brian Clough. There's loads <laughs> yeah, of like was, local beat it's a reporters. Good quote. Yeah, exactly. He said because I just basically had to start everything I wrote with Brian Clough today said. <laughs> basically, he yeah, said, well, obviously there's loads of people. Really funny or Imagine you've been on the thing. fucking I don't know Oxford United beat or something, or if they even do that anymore. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and like I've 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 got mates who've been sports journalists and rugby journalists, and it's like yeah. It doesn't seem like the best fucking job in the world when you're getting up at fucking 5am on a Saturday morning to do a fucking write a match report about a Super Rugby game. That will Filing be copy by... on a laptop sat in a taxi. 
<laughs> before yeah. a deadline, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It's everyone's fucking dream job could be a fucking shit job at some point. And yeah, I think it's it's really sort of refreshing to see a professional player have that sort of and see, I get to write about international rugby sat in my pajamas in my office. That's the fucking dream. Watching yeah, it on telly is, and writing about it at the right, same time. The that is a dream. He <laughs> said, you want to, are you in Twickenham? No, I'm not. And I'm fucking glad I'm not either. Thanks very much. Bags of this <laughs> and bags of that. Do you know I'm... Oh, but that was, it was like the anniversary of bags of this and bags of that a couple of days ago because I... Uh... It flashed up on my time hop just a photo of us with our bags. We are going to do an episode on the 1990 Grand Slam at some point, aren't we? Because we're uh, after reading The Grudge, because that's back out again. Um, yes, we are. Brilliant Jim Telfer stuff in that book, by the way, if you haven't oh, read it. Such good Telfer stuff. Such good Telfer stuff. He is fuming. He, he Absolutely brings, he does fuming. such good copy. There's no oh, yeah. doubt about him. Anyway. Anyway, that's the end of that then. Thank you very much, everybody. Strange old episode, that one, I think. But that's really the episode weird, you're getting. Kind of fun. It's not the episode yeah. you want, but it's the episode you need. So there you go. This, might be, this might be a lot more like the episodes you get if they start fucking cancelling games. Start, left, yeah, right so this is a little bit of a window into yeah. all of you cancelling patient and never listening again, basically, if this is what <laughs> happens. So write to your local MP about a proportionate response to coronavirus, because otherwise this is what you get every week. Thank you all. Thank you, Josh. Speak to My you pleasure, mate. As always. Take care, everyone. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge. And no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits, style with benefits, sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports at lifestylesports.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.